your hands. So we're going to do this in three segments. First, we're going to do, for everyone, we're going to do a general dedication, all of us to dedicate ourselves to God. Uh, then later, we will do for all those serving in all the various ministries, we will do together. And finally, we'll do for the leaders, all right? So for this part, can I invite all of you to stand? So what are we going to do in dedicating ourselves to God? I think we can boil it down to two things. We dedicate ourselves to obey the greatest command of our God. And that Lord Jesus has boiled it down to just two things. He says, just love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. And also to dedicate ourselves to the great commission that Christ left us uh, with before he went to heaven. And that is to go into all the world and to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that he has taught us. So in PPH, we translate this into the five M's, right? So basically, it is the same as saying that I commit to membership, which is I commit myself to the family of God here at PPH. And I commit myself to grow in Christ-like maturity because that is God's plan and destiny for me. And I commit myself to ministering to one another here because that is what uh, God says, that we are the body, we are his, with His body, and we're supposed to minister to one another and also to participate in his mission in the world so as to magnify his name, right? So that's what we want to do this morning. And also, going on from that, not only for ourselves, that we do that, but we also say, Lord, I also seek to be part of your purpose to bring people to Jesus and membership in his family, develop them to Christ-like maturity, equip them for ministry in the church and life mission in the world in order to magnify God's name. Okay, so we want to be also uh, instruments for God's use. Whatever part we can play in these areas, we also want to offer ourselves uh, for His use. So I just want to give you uh, a short while to just pray for yourself uh, before I want to just let us say this together, all right? Uh, say this together unto God. But I, I know, okay, um, I don't know how 2018 looks uh, for you. Some of you may be raring to go, okay? Uh, there's a lot of stuff that uh, you're very eager to get going uh, uh, in your own lives, even in the, the church ministries that you're, you're doing. Uh, there's some of us who may be feeling, wow, there's so many demands already on me, you know? Uh, the family, work, I, I think about what they're expecting me to do this year, I already feel tired. Uh, and on top of that here, church is expecting me to do uh, some other things. God, I really need your help. Uh, so we, uh, but we thank God, right, uh, that as just now as we sang, the Lord is our strength, the Lord is our shield, and the Lord is our rock. Okay, so we continue to trust Him, we continue to ask, as long as we, we have that desire, we bring that to Him today, and we ask for His help. So why don't I just give you a couple of minutes and just pray for yourself and dedicate yourself to God this year for all uh, that's coming up ahead and uh, whatever you need to do. And then we'll pray together.
Can I now invite you to just, we say this together as a dedication to God using these two slides. And let's just bring that desire before God and let's just ask Him for His help, enabling for us to do that. Okay, let's, let's just say that to Him. God, I dedicate myself to obey the greatest commandment and Christ's great commission. I commit to membership, the family of God at PPH, to grow in Christ-like maturity, ministry to others, and to participate in God's mission in the world so as to magnify His name. And Lord, I also seek to be part of Your purpose to bring people to Jesus and membership in His family, develop them to Christ-like maturity, equip them for ministry in the church and life mission in the world in order to magnify God's name. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We acknowledge again that you are our maker, that you have given us life, the breath of life. And God, again, you have purchased for us a new life, Lord, through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And you have redeemed us and you have given us a new destiny, O oh God, uh, in you. So we thank you. We thank you that you are God also who walks with us uh, each day. And in fact, you are God who is in us, O oh God. And we thank you that we can look forward to you journeying with us uh, through everything, O oh God, even the challenges and even the difficulties as we look ahead that we may have to face. God, we thank you that you will be our strength. We thank you that you are our shield. We thank you that you are our rock, our solid rock on whom we stand. We thank you, Holy Spirit, even as we have prayed all these things, we ask for your enabling, your empowering to be able to do this, to walk in your ways for another year, Lord, for 2018, the gift you have given to us. So we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Okay, the next segment I'm going to ask uh, for all those, we're just going to do everybody, okay? All those serving in all the various ministries. You can see all the things listed up there. Firstly, we just want to say from the church, thank you very much uh, for all your faithful service uh, over last year and the previous years. And for all of you serving in these ministries, for those of you who are committed to continue to serve in these ministries, we thank God for you. Uh, it is with your help that all these things can be run, all the children, the ranging from children to the adults can be discipled. Uh, we can run all our worship services uh, every week. We can care for one another. Uh, we can reach out to the world, right? Uh, we thank you for all that you have done, all the service. And I just want to ask now for all those who are serving in all the various areas, including the leaders, okay? Just please rise. Uh, just rise and uh, we just want to pray for you. Uh, again, I give you a couple of minutes, okay? Yeah, uh, there's even others, okay? So <laughs> if we have not listed your survey and we have not listed your, you up there, please stand uh, and we will pray for you, okay? Firstly, again, I just want to give you a couple of minutes to just pray for your ministry this year. Commit your ministry to God and then I'll ask senior pastor to come and pray for all of us. Yeah?
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there are the heavenly hosts who serve your purpose. And Lord, I present here the earthly ones who serve your purposes here on earth. Lord, look upon these faithful ones with grace in your heart, with pride in your heart, and equip them for further service, Lord. Stretch them, empower them, enable them to see more of your goodness and blessings through the channel of their lives and their service and ministry. God, as we serve, we are bearing one another's burdens and so we fulfill the law of Christ. Indeed, the law of grace and love. Would you bless each one? Would you encourage their hearts? Would you help each one to overcome whatever difficulties that might come their way in life and in service and see the glory of God in their own lives and through their hands in many other lives that they touch. And so God, your blessing be upon each one. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, the last segment is for the leaders and all this, uh, we want to pray for them. We want you to have a chance to pray for them too. But before that, uh, these are the people, the diaconate, the, the, all the full-time staff, all right, including CSC, all the ministry leaders, the care group leaders, uh, all the way from loud gen, uh, all the way to adults, we're going to pray for, for us, okay? So, but before that, let me just read to you uh, from X 20. Uh, what do we need to take care of as leaders? Acts 20, actually, this is what Paul told the Ephesian elders, all right? But I think nonetheless, it is also relevant to all of us who are serving in these areas. He says, keep watch over yourselves. Number one, he says, as leaders, we need to keep watch over ourselves, right? Make sure that we are walking rightly with God first, right? Then after that, we keep watch over all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made us overseers and to be shepherds of his church which he bought with his own blood. Okay? So that's what we want to pray for ourselves. Uh, and also those who are serving in all the outreach ministries that we let our light shine before others that we may, that they may see uh, our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. Okay? I just want to ask the leaders, all the leaders here to just stand and I want to give the congregation uh, a chance to pray for all this. If you have a leader in your ministry or your CG leader, please go up to them and pray for them. I'll give you some time to pray for them. Uh, or anybody else uh, that you feel, uh, feel led to pray for. Why don't I get all the leaders to bless, stand up and let's invite the rest, all the leaders, please rise. Okay, the rest, please uh, just go around uh, your leaders and uh, pray for them, right? Choose somebody to pray for. I just give you some time to pray for them before I will invite Elder Edwin to just uh, close in prayer.
Let's close in prayer. I represent all the leaders in church to dedicate ourselves to God. Lord Jesus, you are master. You are the shepherd of us all. You are living, reigning, and leading. And may you find us listening, following, and serving. It is not you who needs our ministry, but our ministry needs you. We acknowledge that no programs of the church, no processes, no strategy, no abilities can change hearts and transform lives. Ministry is what you do, Lord. And where you are, there is life and change. Our ministry it is your ministry that makes our ministry possible. So here, Father, here we are, standing in your presence, we return to you. And we say, Father, that our overriding priority and our central effort is to listen to you and to follow you. Help us to listen well this year. Show us what you are doing and what, uh, where you have assigned us to the positions that you want us to take, the positions that you have already prepared in advance for us to do. May we walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we have been called. We want to have a share in the action of God and we want to ride on your success. Not I, but Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me is Paul says in Galatians 2.20, build our faith, Lord, that we may move towards you constantly, continually, and lacking nothing. God, I pray that we will see with your eyes and that we will be compassionate. Lord, help us to feel with your heart that we will be good shepherds. As in faith and worship, so now in leadership and in ministry, do for us what we, can, we cannot do for ourselves. Build this church, Lord. Make it strong, Lord. We rededicate ourselves to you that Christ will live and reign in our hearts, that the presence of Christ in us will be the fragrance of Christ to the world. Hear our prayers. We give you thanks. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you. Shall we all rise and just sing this song together? be seated. This morning, the word is going to be taken by Pastor Chiming. Are the children staying with us? They are, eh? Oh, there are no children. <laughs> okay. okay, let's pray for ourselves as we come to God's word. Father, we thank you for the message, Lord, you have deposited into Pastor Chiming, oh God. Open our ears, O God, open our hearts uh, this morning as we come to you, that, Father, we may hear from you, that, Father, we may hear what you are saying to us, and, Father, help uh, our hearts to respond to you this morning. Help us to know what you want us to do. So we commit ourselves to you and this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Morning. Yes, still around. I'm glad that we can come at the beginning of the year. This is the second Sunday. I don't know how is your first two weeks. Okay, 
uh, for the church, those of us who participated in Monday, Wednesday, and Friday night prayer, it was a good time just to begin the year with the Lord in prayer, as individually as well as corporately together. As we begin the new year, I sense that some of us, your life is okay, but some of us a bit dissatisfied. You realize that there's more to this life journey. You want something deeper in your walk with God. You want something deeper in the experience, the reality of God's presence, God's power in your life. There's a desire to have your heart revived. If this is your heart's desire, I have some good news for you. Let me reach to you. It said here what the Lord says in Isaiah. Thus says the Lord who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place and also in him who is a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly. Some version put humble. To revive the heart of the contrite. Some version put broken. God lives in two places here, you can see. The high and lofty area. We have no problem to understand that. But the second part, I find it very interesting as well as comforting. It is to, that God lives in the humble and contrite. He's attracted to those who are broken and contrite. If we want to meet the Lord, to experience His presence, first we need to meet Him in humility, in brokenness. He has done many times in the past, if you look at the Bible, that people humble themselves. And even in the history of church Christendom, we see that God comes and visits them. I served at Campus Crusade before, uh, for 19 years, and I remember vividly a particular story, a time where God revived uh, the, the, the campus ministry here. It was back there in the USA. In 1995, during the springtime, among the campuses, students were, God moved among the hearts of the students. Students were coming forward in the meeting and then confessing their sins. They even bring big trash back here so that they can bring things from the dormitory that are not supposed to be there, unclean things or things that are stolen. They come, they deposit there, and they, they confess their sins before God as well as the people. And then come the summer in July uh, 1995. There was a staff conference. I think there were around 4,000 staff were there, mainly from USA as well as from other parts of the world. These are all full-time workers, people who commit to serve the Lord. And we might think, okay, these people, maybe the students need revival. What about the staff? I don't think they need anything. Well, the conference started first day, second day, third day, nothing happened. On the fourth day, they invited a speaker, Nancy DeMoss. She wrote a book about brokenness after the conference. And she spoke about this topic here, brokenness. As she speaks, people's hearts were moved. And then 10 minutes before she finished her sermon, there were two gentlemen way up there, walk down. This is a huge place because there are 4,000 people. Huge place. You just, they just walk down and then they come to the altar which never happened before, before altar call. People just come and they were kneeling down and after the sermon, people were getting up on their seats. They began to confess their sins to one another. They, they began to ask for forgiveness. They hug and they were crying. And then people lining up to come, come to the mic there to confess their sins. Deep, deep sin. Deep uh, Secrets of their heart, brokenness, pornography, affairs, cheats, lies, everything. These are all full-time workers. They confess and God's Spirit move in a very powerful way. This happened not just for minutes, not for hours. 
It happens all the way to the middle of the night, midnight, and then the next day, they cancel all the meeting. Again, we will worship. People were still coming out the next two days. And revival broke out among the campuses and among the staff and among the ministry there. What God have done there, I believe God desired to do, even in our church, to have a fresh encounter with the Lord, a fresh desire that God, this year will be different. I want to know you more. Last, the question now is how? How do you do that? Last week, our brother, Elder Edwin, talked about the grace of God. And he talks also contrast between two groups of people, the Pharisee as well as the women who live in sins. The Pharisee, well-respected, put the staff together, but yet he was not broken. But then the prostitute, the lady, she was broken. And out of the un experiencing the overwhelming grace and mercy of God. She expressed uninhibited love to Christ. And she lived, she, she experienced such a lift in her life. This week, we're going to look at another two more characters, the Pharisees and the tax collectors. Let me just look back again, the Pharisees. Our elder Edwin talks about the Pharisees. Who are these people? These are very respected people. Today, we look back we look at them and say, ah, these are all proud people. But at that time, during the time of Jesus, they are really well respected. Anyone that you think that is spiritual will go to heaven, will truly bless by God. These are the people. They are the learned ones. But Jesus gave them a contrast with another group of people. And I believe God has a message for us. The Pharisees, they look at them there are people who think they get it all out. Talks a lot about the external part. But God said, no, I'm not interested in the external. I want to give a new way of looking into your life. I want to turn you from the inside out. I'm in interested in the inside out job. Let's look at the Pharisees. They are viewed as holy, respected people who are... And also they view themselves, they are pretty proud. And they are non-repentant because they have everything make it up together. But what about the tax collector? Next. They are viewed as unclean and despised and therefore some of them are humble and they are, they are broken before the Lord. Why? Because they are considered as a running dogs. People who have betrayed their own country. They collect taxes on behalf of the Roman rulers. And these are Jews, Roman rulers, and they collect taxes on behalf of the Roman rulers, the foreigners. And worse still, they pocketed some of the tax for themselves. So they are considered really uh, down at the bottom of the social ladder. If the lowest is a prostitute, they are just slightly above just the prostitute. And they are down there. So Jesus wanted to contrast this. And so Jesus told a parable. And to whom was this parable told? Let's look at it to some who are confident of their own righteousness and who look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Who Jesus told this parable to? No, let's go back there. Who Jesus told this parable to? These are the people whom you think that, okay, they have everything all get it right. Do you know of people who are very confident of their righteousness? They don't look down on people, people who look down on people. If you look at this and say that, ah, that's not me. That's not me. I have news for you. Perhaps 
we have just self-identified. That's you. This is a message, perhaps this is for you. People who, who look down, and we are confident, and we are people who like to, I won't say look down people, but we like to compare, to know where we are. We walk into the church, you see who is punctual, who is not, how was this person dressed, do I have more hair, less hair, whiter hair, less whiter hair, and what about their children? Are we, are we smarter? What about our work? Do we earn more? Moral? Better? We, we are comparing all the time, myself too, we are comparing so that we know where to place ourselves. And we place ourselves at a certain level, we feel that, okay lah, not bad lah, can. But some of us place ourselves very high and say that, oh no, these people cannot. Some people place ourselves even too low. And we are always comparing and confident. And Jesus say, I have news for you. I'm going to tell you a story. It's called a parable. A parable. Let's look at the parable together. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the others, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, not even this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Look at this man's prayer. He's praying all about himself. Can you imagine a person like this? He prayed about all about himself and then he compared himself with all the worst of sinner, the robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers, even this tax collector who is beside him and said, God, I thank you. I am not like them. When you look at this, and say, oh, I am not like this tax collector. I am not like, not like these Pharisees. If you said that, you are no different from this Pharisees too. I am not like the other people. Perhaps God has a message for us as we look at this and then maybe God is speaking into our hearts. What this Pharisee is doing is basically he's verbalizing his inner thoughts to God. It's not a prayer. It's a boasting. It's inner, like, uh, uh, verbalizing it out. One thing good about him, he was very authentic really authentic about what's going on in this heart here. And sometimes I look at my own heart also. What comes up to my mind? What do I say to myself? Sometimes some of these words become to us. It's not me. It's you. It's not my problem. It's their problem. We put others in a microscope and I've left ourselves off the hook. Pride prevents us from seeing our own problem. Or sometimes we say things like, it is not fair. When you say it is not fair, it means that what? I am more deserving than other people. We're placing ourselves. We are a bit ungrateful about God have blessed. You say, I'm more deserving. Or sometimes we say, did you hear about so-and-so? That's pride too. We make ourselves feel better when we talk negatively down on other people. Or sometimes we say things like, I don't need help. I don't need help. That's pride too. We feel that we are more dependent on ourselves. We don't need God's help or other people's help. You notice the Pharisees' prayer, there was no request for help. What we say to ourselves reveals what is in our hearts. Let's continue to listen again about this Pharisees' prayer. Look at this. All the personal pronouns about I. How many times? Four times here. 
it's all about himself. And he talked about, he boasts about his fasting. He said, I fasted twice a week. In the Old Testament, only once a year are required to fast, in the Day of Atonement, once a year. But there are other situations where it's more voluntary when they are remorseful about their sins that they fast. But these Pharisees, fasting is as a way of life. All is fine, is good, except that it was not from inside out. He's doing it not from the inside. He's doing it more for a show. It caused, his self-focus caused him pride. His pride blinded him of his fault. He was overconfident of his own righteousness. Let me tell you a story about about pride. During the Cold War time, the 70s and 80s, particularly in the the 80s, the Russians, the Soviet, the former Soviet unions, they have the most developed anti-aircraft system. They are very powerful. To, they have powerful radar to protect their airspace among the major Soviet cities. Missiles were there poised, ready to shoot down any aircraft that venture into their airspace. None is more heavily defended than their capital, Moscow. And also the famous Red Square, which is just outside the Kremlin. Kremlin is the seat of communist government. At that time, very well protected. Imagine 1987. A teenager flew an aircraft, landed right at the Red Square. Next slide. Right at the Red Square in the middle next to the Kremlin. Imagine the embarrassment. What happened was this guy, Matthias Rust, he was only 19 years old on 28th of May, 1987. Before that, there was a talk between the US presidents um, at that time, was Ronald Reagan with Gorbachev. It didn't go very well. So he felt that as a teenager with his drive, I want to do something about world peace. I'm going to do something. So he rented an airplane. He flew from, um, where did he fly from? He flew from all the way from Denmark, Helsinki. Somehow he managed to pass through all the air defense and he landed in, in Moscow. And when he landed, there, was a, there were tourists there, the, the Soviet tourists. He got out of the plane, he said, wave hi to people, he even signed autograph before he was taken away by the police. The best air defense was vulnerable. Why? Because they were too proud at that moment. If this helpless teenager can do such a thing, imagine what can the enemy do if they be planted well. Pride blindsided the Soviets then and make them vulnerable. Make them vulnerable. In the same way, look at the Bible. Peter, who was walking with Christ, he was with Christ. He was his close disciples. A few days before Christ was crucified, Christ told him, be careful, you're going to deny me. No, no way, God, no way I'm going to deny you. I knew you all the way. I've seen all the miracles, no way. Guess what? He denied Christ three times. Pride blindsided him. Last year, we have a whole life inventory. We talked about it, and pastor presented in three sermons. Let me look at this. I don't know how was your response. Some of us in the response, wow, I think we need, we need, need to pray for our church. We need to pray for ourselves. But some of us say that, wow, hang on, that's not me. That's other people. Or some of us say that hey, it's a good result. It's not a good result. It is snapshots about the conditions of our church. When one part suffers, one part sins, all suffer together. 
I hope that we will not be like the Pharisees, pointing finger at around people, but look at our own hearts. God, what are you telling me? In preparing for this sermon, I was reading a book by Gordon MacDonald, Rebuilding Your Broken World. Gordon MacDonald, at the height of his, her, his pastoral career, he was a great speaker. He was a good pastor, pastor over a big church. At the height there, he, after a speech at the college commencement, a new friend asked him a, same, a strange question. He asked him this. Say, if Satan were to blow you out of water, how do you think he will do it? He said, I'm not sure. All sorts of ways, I'm supposed. But I know there is one way Satan wouldn't get me. What is it? He will never get me in the area of my personal relationship. This is one place where I have no doubt I'm as, as strong as you can get. He was very confident in this area that personal relationship should not be bitten. Guess what? A few, years, a few years later, after that conversation, his whole world broke open. Because of a series of innocent choices become destructive, he got involved in an adulterous affair. And then he came out into the open, he had to confess, he had to resign. Thankfully, he was broken. His elders come and restored him. And then he was able to be restored and then continue his ministry. And out of that came this book, Rebuilding Your Broken World. Pride blindsided him. If you think you're okay, if I think I'm okay, I think we need to think twice. This parable, Jesus is highlighting that we could be blindsided too. Let's look at the tax collector. Next. But the tax collector, he stood at a distance, he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy. He was standing at a distance. He feels so unworthy. It is not for show. He didn't look up. He looked down because he understands his sinfulness, his frailty before the Holy God in the spirit of humility. He beat his chest. Some movies you watch, people who are really sorrowful, they beat their chest here. He was remorseful. But this was a godly remorse. He didn't get into too depressed. That He went into unhealthy kind of coping things like in his drinks, in his drugs, in, his, in all kinds of things. He didn't depend on these things. Instead, he came remorseful before the Holy God. He didn't retreat from God for fear of condemnation, but yet he came because he knows he can receive mercy from God. And he said this, sinner. In the translation, he put that there, a sinner. But if you look at the original word, it is the sinner. It means that what he's trying to say that I'm not one of the sinners among many, but I am the one. I am the one that is unworthy of anything from God. And then Jesus turned around to the crowd. If you were the crowd there, you look at the descriptions between the Pharisees and the tax collector. Most of the crowd will say, Ooh, the tax collector truly will be affirmed by God. No, sorry, the Pharisee will truly be affirmed by God. The text collector rejected by God. But Jesus turned up something upside down, inside out. Let's look at it. Verse 14, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all who exalted themselves will be humbled. All who humble themselves will be exalted. He commanded the worship and the prayer of the text collector instead of the Pharisees. Jesus reminded his hearers, it is this spirit 
of self-humiliation, repentance that is acceptable by God. It is not the external. Jesus Christ said what this tax collector, justified, declared not guilty. Instead, justified here can also mean he had been bestowed on him righteous, fully accepted by God, fully pleased by God. God exalted him. Same as what was echoed earlier I mentioned in Isaiah 57. Here you look, both men went to the temple, temple. Only one met the Lord. Only one was pleased by God. Two persons today come to church. But maybe only one met the Lord. The other missed the Lord. Why? Pride. Pride. Sometimes today, when we come to church, I don't know what is our heart attitude. Maybe it's just a routine. Maybe it's just, okay, I'm here because I want to be seen. Or I'm here, I want to meet the Lord. I'd like us to today, let's be humble before the Lord and say, God, speak to me. Let me know the conditions of my heart so that I want to meet with you to receive what you have to offer. In the bulletin today, there's this particular insert. Some of us didn't, didn't take the bulletin. Outside there, you can take this particular insert here. It's an insert taken from the book by Nancy DeMoss about brokenness. It describes about proud people as well as broken people. I'm going to read to you the whole list of them. It is quite a long list. But as I read, let the Spirit of God speak to you about the conditions of your heart. I'm not talking about morbid introspections. I'm not talking about going down deep and then find fault with yourself. But I'm talking about God, search me. Let me know what's in my heart. Let me read to you. Proud people focus on the failures of others. Broken people are overwhelmed with a sense of their own spiritual need. Proud people have a critical and fault-finding spirit. Broken people are compassionate. They can forgive much because they know how much they have been forgiven. Proud people are independent, self-sufficient spirit. Broken people have a dependent spirit. They recognize their need for others. Proud people have, have to prove that they are right. Broken people are willing to yield the right to be right. Proud people claim rights and they have a demanding spirit. Broken people yield their rights. They have a meek spirit. Proud people are self-protective and above their time, their rights, their reputations. Broken people are self-denying. I've also flashed it on the PowerPoint. You can just take a look. Proud people compare themselves with others and feel worthy of honor. Broken people compare themselves to the holiness of God and felt a desperate need for His grace. Next, we'll talk about attitude towards service and ministry. Proud people desire to be served. Broken people are motivated to serve others. Proud people desire a success. Broken people are motivated to be faithful and make others a success. Proud people are self subconscious, self subconscious feeling. This ministry, this church is privileged to have me and my gifts. They think of what they can do for God. Broken people, heart's attitude is, I don't deserve to be a part of any ministry. They know that they have nothing to offer except a life of Jesus flowing through their broken lives. 
Next, attitude of recognition. Proud people desire self-advancement. Broken people, broken people desire to promote others. Proud people have a drive to be recognized and appreciated. Broken people have a sense of their own unworthiness and they are thrilled that God would use them at all. Proud people are wounded when others are promoted and they are overlooked. Broken people are eager for others to get the credit. They rejoice when others are lifted up. Proud people feel confident in how much they know. Broken people are humble by how very much they have learned. Proud people are self-conscious. Broken people are not concerned with self at all. Proud people are concerned with very being respectable with what others think. They work to protect their own image and reputations. Broken people are concerned with being real. What matters to them is not what others think, but what God knows. They are willing to die to their own reputations. Proud people keep others at the length's arm. Broken people are willing to risk getting close to others and take risks of loving intimately. Broken people Proud people are quick to blame others. Broken people accept personal responsibility and see that they are wrong in situations. Proud people are unapproachable or defensive when criticized. Broken people receive criticism with a humble, open spirit. Proud people find it difficult to share their spiritual need with others. Broken people are willing to be open and transparent with others as God directs. Proud people wait for others to come and ask forgiveness when there is a misunderstanding or conflict in relationship. Broken people take the initiative to be, initiative to be reconciled when there is a misunderstanding or conflict in relationship. They race to the cross. They see if they can get there first, no matter how wrong the other may have been. Proud people want to be sure that no one finds out when they have sinned. Their instinct is to cover up. Broken people, once broken, don't care who knows or who finds out. They are willing to be exposed because they have nothing to lose. Broken, proud people have a hard time saying, I was wrong, will you forgive me? Broken people are quick to admit failure and to seek forgiveness when necessary. Proud people tend to deal with generalities when confessing sins. Broken people are able to acknowledge specifics when confessing sins. Proud people are concerned about the consequences of their sins. Broken people are grieved over the cause, the root of their sin. Proud people are remorse, remorseful over their sins, sorry that they are found out or caught. Broken people are truly, genuinely repentant over their sins, evidence in the fact that they've forsaken that sin. Proud people are blind to their true heart conditions. Broken people walk in the light. Proud people don't think that they have anything to repent from. Of broken people realize that they have the need of a con continual heart attitude of repentance. Proud people don't think they need revival. They are sure that everyone else does. Broken people continually sense their need for a fresh encounter with God and a fresh feeling with the Holy Spirit. Any of those statements describe you? For me, many of them describe me. I hope that you will not go back of this place self-condemning, self-depreciating exercise, but rather let this reality checked drives you to the throne of grace so that you receive His mercy, we receive His blessing. God wants to meet us in brokenness. Listen to what James says. 
James says here, draw near to God. And He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. He's, he's talking to Christians. Purify your hearts, you double-sided, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter turn to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord. And what? And He will exalt you. Humble ourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. If you want to get close to God, you have to find a highway of lowliness. We have to humble ourselves. So where do we start? Where do we start? First, we start from today. Acknowledging before the Lord, God, this is me. It is not my brother. It is not my sister. It is me. I'm standing here in need of prayer. Later in the closing song, I'm going to open this altar open. Any of you felt that today, you want to humble yourself before the Lord, I invite you to come forward, spend some time with the Lord in prayer. We're going to open this altar, okay, for the time. And those of us, later on, if you need to leave, you just go ahead and leave quietly. The rest who want to need prayer, I want to pray for yourself. I open the altar and to come. No pressure, but if you felt the Lord inviting you, you come. Next, you come and receive the Christ's mercy. Christ humbled Himself for you to lift you up. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians. He who is in very nature did not consider himself equality with God, something used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in the human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. His love, his grace, his mercy comes from his humility, as Elder Edwin had talked about last week. May his love and humility lift you up again. And finally, the third one, what can you do is to verbalize to others. We need to confess, bring it to the open. This is difficult. But if you can do this part, confess with another brother and other sisters, it can go a long way to help you in overcoming areas in your life that need to be the touch from God. Imagine if all of us today come before the Lord, humble and experience His mercy, experience His grace. And God visit both in our individual lives, in our homes, in our families, in our church. Just imagine what God can do. And this is the invitations God has for us. This parable is for us. This parable is for us. So let's come before the Lord. I invite just the piano, key keyboard, this will do. The rest just come before the Lord. We're going to sing this old hymn, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Saviour. And I leave the altar open. Leave this time for the Lord to bless you. Shall we all rise? Give us a moment. A moment, a moment before the Lord, God search me. speaking to me if God is speaking to you let's humble ourselves let's leave this place having met the Lord having been justified
And as we sing this song, the altar is open. Please come. Please come and meet with the Lord. Just you and Him.
just to linger again. God said, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter turn to mourning your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and He will exalt you. altar open for those of us who want to continue to linger in God's presence feel feel free to come the rest just live quietly from the back of the hall we're going to sing this again 